Yeah, five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Lots of news today, but before we start, let's get over here to the announcement. We got a whole bunch of major industry players already registered. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm hoping Mike Gunderson comes. We had a nice chat yesterday, and and Jeff Terran's been on a few of those from the Gunderson Agency, and those guys really are, man, they're kicking it. I really like listening to those guys. They they know that mail works, and they're not backing down, and I really like it. And uh, hopefully we get to work with those guys. But anyway, there's a lot of other people, a lot of exciting, interesting people from around the country. That's one of the reasons we do this is the WDMA, I hate to say it, but we should be the world wide DMA. Okay, Jonah Gitlitz uh, has died at 92 years old. Jonah was the head of the Direct Marketing Association from 1984 until 1996. And um, Chuck and I have been exchanging messages about uh, this new project we're working on. If you're thinking you want to get into mail and you've already got a good customer file, but you don't know how to get started making a list and all the rest of that, um, you know, you might want to call up Mike or, uh, or check in with us cause we're building something. But, uh, but Chuck said that I used to be notorious and famous back in the day. And I have a really nice letter from Jonah back in about 1996 or so, 95, maybe earlier where I had, um, been asked by Denny Hatch to be chairman of a data conference. And thanks Keith for the link. And, uh, so I started the conference off by saying I was a little annoyed with the industry. It was not a DMA conference. I was a little annoyed with the industry because so often after a conference, major conference, I'll hear people complaining that the speakers were unqualified or unprepared. And uh, I said, you know, you can have your opinion, but while you're here, complain. You can complain to me because I'd like to hear it while you're here rather than whispering in the dark later uh, when we can't do much about it. And um, that's basically what I said. So anyway, then I get a notice a couple weeks later that my conference, my my speech in Chicago for the um, Center for Database Marketing was, there just wasn't a room available for me. They had too many speakers and not enough rooms. And so I was dropped from the program. And, um, you know, oh, well, I didn't care that much, you know. <laughs> It was handy. I thought I'd go anyway because it's Chicago, but um, I don't remember if I went or not. But I got a call then from Don Buck, a friend of mine, and he said, "Did what, what happened to you? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, they had your session, and you know your name was on the board, and some other guy got up and talked. And, um, and the funny part was that he said, I, I only got a week's notice on this. So I'm not really prepared, and I don't really know anything on this topic, so I'm not really qualified. And uh, I said, oh, I was around. I just, they told me it was canceled. And so then I wrote to her, called Jonah and said, what happened? And he said, well, you're such a bozo. You got up and said that all the speakers at the DMA conferences are unqualified and unprepared, which is really odd since you're one of our most frequent speakers. I said, yeah, I know. That's not what I said. Well, we have it on good authority. Three people heard you say that same exact thing. All the DMA speakers are unqualified and unprepared, and that's why you did a different conference. Okay, so anyway, 
Um, I got blackballed a couple of three times, maybe from the DMA. So I think that they lost their moorings earlier than that. I fought for really 30 years saying that you had the wrong definition of direct marketing. They basically said anybody who could measure is a direct marketer, whether they did or didn't, whether they tested or they didn't. And uh, Bob Stone agreed privately after he retired. <laughs> he said, John, you're 100% right. And John, and Bob was one of the for framers of that definition. So anyway, but but the DMA was absorbed into the ANA and basically... The whole idea of direct marketing is lost to history, except for maybe the WDMA. And, you know, <laughs> feel free to comment if you don't like my opinion. Okay, Mason Companies. Mason Shoe breaks new ground on a fulfillment center, which brings me over to the Mason Shoe. This is the kind of commercials we have in Wisconsin. You know, this is the kind of real stuff that we like to see. Um, let's see if I can make this fit better. I always have this challenge. That's pretty good. Okay, that's pretty good. Let's go. Mason Outlet Store, your shoe store for the 21st century. 30,000 square feet of top name brand shoes make them the Midwest's How cool largest is this? shoe store. The perfect mix of style and comfort for work from top names like Rockport, Born, Keen, Merrill, and Clark's. Yeah, I have some Lacrosse. of those. Rocky. All these brands. Nice stuff. And Red Wing. Red Wing from Minnesota. Adidas. Adidas and New Balance. New Balance. Reebok. Reebok. This is how they we write commercials in the Midwest. Born. <laughs> Just tell them what you Merrill. got. There's Columbia. Merrill again. Second time. Clark's. There's Clark's and a second Keen. time. There's Keen a second time. Mason Outlet Store, downtown Chippewa Falls, your shoe store for the 21st century. Mason Shoes in downtown Chippewa Falls. There you go. In case you didn't know, probably still there today. Uh, but they're opening a new warehouse, and uh, they're gonna they're going to put everything under one roof. I'm not sure if they'll move the outlet store, um, but they're going to be moving the operations all to one place, about 500,000 square feet. Uh, to be expandable to almost a million square feet, which brings back memories of Dick Cabela taking me out on the prairie and showing me his nine buildings that were each one million square foot that he bought from the Army, <laughs> which built him out there as a munitions storage facility back in World War II, I guess. I don't know. It was old. And they used to fulfill orders by taking golf carts around. And and Dick with a with a Straight face said he could fulfill an order for 50 cents. I said, no, there's no way you could do that. But anyway, we used to fight about a lot of stuff. Um, let's get over back. Let's get back to the uh, PDFs of the world. I got to find where I'm going here. It's all awesome. Okay, Google. This is a really interesting little tidbit here that you probably would have missed. Lori Sullivan is an old longtime friend uh, who used to cover the, used to, I think, be at DM News. And um, so, Lori, good job on this one. Artificial intelligence. Google is switching over to a artificial intelligence it calls MUM. MUM is the word. Multitask Unified Model. And it's more powerful than BERT that was their old model. I guess. I don't know. Bidirectional encoder representation from transformers. Whatever the heck that means. But the point is, 
Financial Times pointed out, and Lori said rightly, Google denies this, but the Financial Times brings up an interesting point. As Google further develops sophisticated search technology to distill multiple searches into one, uh, into one result, will it reduce even more the traffic Google sends to other websites? Something it's been chipping away at for years. Yes, it has. You know, Google will search your site like weather sites. Does it take you to weather sites anymore? Ah, if you scroll down far enough, it does. But basically, Google just gives you the weather, right? It doesn't, you don't need to go off of Google. Google wants you to stay with Google. And that's why they're turning off third-party cookies and other things. So that nobody else can tell what's going on on the internet except Google. Reducing the number of searches requires required to answer a query could reduce the number of ads served per person per session. Improving the relevance of the ad could reduce the number required to trigger the purchase. Yeah, sure. That's what they say. But you know what? Their bounce rate is still 50%. Meaning I don't really know what they're talking about when they give me the answer. I pretty much quit using Google. I use DuckDuckGo. But every now and then I use Google because you can find stuff that DuckDuckGo doesn't bother with like. Uh, I started getting emails. We've relaunched whitetail.com, and it turns out someone was using content from the old whitetail, and it's still up on a server somewhere. Even though we've moved it off of there and we're building a new one, it's not under whitetail.com. You can't find it. But if you go to Google and know how to search for it, it turns up, and you can get to the main page, and you can see all the content that's always been there. Fascinating stuff. So Google does have advantages. Um, it's just not the best for marketers. But here's a shocking story from TechCrunch. Uh, and it's from today. Melissa Sargent. Okay. And um, Apple is changing mail privacy protection and email marketers must prepare. This is shocking. This is, this is, this was, you know, I was just, I just scanned the headlines. This was, this is like, whoa, buckle up if you're an email marketer. Whoa. Uh, Melissa Sargent is CMO at Litmus. Okay, she runs worldwide marketing initiatives. She says, this is kind of where the article starts, and all these articles are available at WDMA.org. If you go and subscribe, click the join button, and um, it's free, and then you can get into the members content. And uh, every day I post the articles that I marked up so that you can see the details because I know I don't always cover them carefully. And sometimes I might even get it wrong. Although nobody's ever said that. The most critical phase in a marketing team's mix, and what they mean by that is email marketing, is after you press send. Well, I guess all marketing. You want to know what happened. You know, all this sounds like direct marketing. Although, you know, without without experimental design and field valid experiments, I wouldn't say it's not it is direct marketing. That was where I really parted company with the DMA. I said, unless you're doing it scientifically, it's not direct marketing. It's just throwing it at the wall and measuring what happened. I said anybody who counts the cash at the end of the day for their yard sale is measuring. You know, and, and the general agency I worked for, they said we run the ads and people go to the store. The store traffic increases. How are we not direct marketers? I said, yeah, I guess by that definition you are. That's what tra- triggered me into rethinking the definition. And uh, Connie Bauer and I wrote the seminal work on the definition of direct marketing, which is cited in languages I don't even speak. 
just in case you want to know. Um, performance. So after you press send, you got to check the performance with the metrics and the data. And if you do this well, you can increase the email's performance and ROI. I hope so. Uh, there's maybe better ways to do marketing than that, but be that as it may, what if it was all gone? Apple's privacy, mail privacy protection announced earlier this summer with iOS 15, I think that's coming out in September, attempts to eliminate metrics and data associated with email. So if you thought their little opt-in was bad on tracking cookies, where they expected 15% to maybe okay it, and it was more like five. So 95% of the of the, the cookie tracking went away. Now they're going to knock out the email tracking, and here's how they do it. When you when you send an email, a lot of times there'll be a picture in it. Now the internet is kind of stupid, so if you name something JPG, it thinks it's a picture. Got it? That makes sense. And so the the when you click the link in the email or you open the email, it asks for a picture. Now your email may say we're not getting we're not going to get that picture because you know, that may do tracking stuff. So your email can already block it. But 50% of all email opens came from Apple devices. 50% of email opens. So now they're basically going to say, we're not grabbing those fake JPEGs so that you can track us. And according to Melissa, this is serious stuff. Nearly half of all email opens came from Apple devices. I had no idea. Okay. And in 2021 survey, over half the respondents expressed more concern about online privacy than in 2020. Uh, and consumers, you know, they want Apple to crack down. That's what Apple says. Now, of course, again, Apple can still know what's going on. It's just the person who sent the email may not know. Mail privacy protection stops senders from using invisible pixels. That's basically a picture you can't see, the JPG to collect information about the user. Okay, so that request when and when you send a request to a website or to a server, it knows your IP because it's got to send it back to you. It knows the kind of device you're on because it formats it, you know, high res, low res, small, big, whatever for a mobile device versus a browser versus, you know, one browser versus another kind of browser, so it it knows all of those things doesn't not know everything, but it knows a lot of stuff from that. And they're saying, we're not going to allow that stuff anymore. What And what that means, what does this update mean for marketers? The potential disappearance of a critical phase in the marketing mix, and the critical phase, according to her above, according to Melissa up above, the, a critical a potential disappearance and multi-channel strategy the post-send and performance pillars of email marketing. She says, this is going to knock the pillars right out of email marketing. Okay, so you lost your cookies. Well, you're going to lose your cookies. It's coming. And, you know, there's more and more restrictions on cookies. Third party especially. But still, but first party are still working. But what that means is no open rate specific data. The brand will appear to have a 100% open rate. And why am I so why am I so keen on telling you this stuff? Because you need to get into mail. If you have a brand and you have a couple of hundred thousand customers 
and you've been just doing email for follow-up and just doing uh, Google Ad Google AdWords or you know pay-per-click or SEO or whatever, you're in big trouble because Google can cut you out of the pie, and Apple is cutting your email out of the pie, or you won't know anything. You'll be totally blind. Or you can use mail. Mail with 100% engagement. We know it gets delivered. We know it goes to the household. We know it goes to the decision maker in the household because not everybody can throw the mail away, right? And we know it gets engagement. Why? Because mail doesn't throw itself away. You have to engage. And it has to be a decision maker. It can't be the kids just throwing the mail away. Even if it's a letter from the teacher, right? We didn't even let our kids get the mail because we were afraid it would end up along the side of the road. No. 100% delivery, 100% engagement. And then what you know that no other medium gives you is you know who engaged because you know the list. So all the non-buyers on that list engage with your piece at the decision-maker level in the household. And if they didn't buy, that gives us a key differentiating factor. It gives us the heart of machine learning, which is an accurate label data set. We need to know who bought and who didn't buy and that they all engaged. And only mail gives you that. So if you're not doing mail, I encourage you to call Mike Gunderson. Call me. I'm on LinkedIn every day and a lot of other places. You can go to john at wdma.org. Write me directly. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.